Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast. We have a bumper edition coming up for you this week as we look back at the French season, the Ligue 1 season, which is now officially over. We know Paris Saint-Germain are champions. We know Marseille are heading into the Champions League with them. Rennes have uh, officially finished third and face a Champions League uh, qualifier. Lille Nice and Rouse could be heading into the Europa League, depending on whether the cup finals are played in August. We know that Amiens and Toulouse are down, but they're not the only casualties. We've had uh, one or two among our pundits as well. One or two problems. David Crossan has a swollen foot. How are you, David? Yeah, I'm fine. You know, there's a, an expression in French about having le cheville qui gonfle, and that's when you get a bit arrogant after momentary success. I can say my ankles aren't swollen, but my foot is, sadly. It's the poems, I think. That's the problem. I think Dave's been on the rowing machine too much in his in, in his flat, possibly. But hopefully you'll make a, a swift recovery, Dave. Uh, I'm delighted to say Armel Tanguy joins us. He's been very discreet during the, uh, the, the confinement. And we've even had some listeners, notably Patrick in Cork, who's been rather worried about Armel, hoping to hear from him. So, Armel, can you, can you reassure your fans that you're OK? Morning, everyone. Yep, I'm fine. Thank you. I've been really busy, inspired by Dave. I've been trying to write in English about classic handball moments. So turning around Dave's cricket to French, to handball to English, it's impossible. So no one's heard from me, but I'm OK. I'm alive. <laughs> I didn't know that. I've been no. following Dave's Dave's French cricket commentary on, on, on Twitter, which has been very entertaining. Um, Andy, Scott, what, what, what have you been up to over the last few weeks? Uh, yeah, just trying to exist as usual. And um, I think I've been, it's funny because I've, I've seen a lot of people talk about how they've missed the football. They've been watching old games and stuff like that, which I have to say has not really been the case with me. But I have been watching and uh, doing a lot of yoga with Adrian on YouTube. So that's, uh, that's my new tip for the, for the months ahead. Get yourselves on YouTube and uh, get yourselves doing some yoga with Adrian. When did Adrian move in? Adrienne sadly has not moved in. She's in Texas, but um, she is uh, inspiring me to become more and more supple in my old age. That's interesting, Andy. You, you, I've just realised um, who you're reminding me of. You know when Griezmann like let, let himself go, let his hair go, and, and and the beard and stuff. You're you're looking a little bit like that. I did um, let myself go a long time ago, but way, way before the confinement began. What do we think about? Um, obviously, the French government have made this this uh, decision that there won't be any big sporting events until September. There's still some debate as to whether we might get some football behind closed doors in uh, in August. In terms of the fairness, I mean, I thought Laurent Nicolas, the, the Montpellier president, um, has, has spoken well. He says there's no fair, there's no unfair decision. It's obviously like an impossible situation. Um, Dave, do you, do you feel sorry for, for any clubs in particular? Do you think this is... This is the way to go. Well, I don't think there was any choice once the government announced that decision. Once Edouard Philippe, the Prime Minister, spoke last Tuesday to say that the professional seasons couldn't finish, the the league had to do something. So, um, yeah, averaging out the points per game, what else can you do? Obviously, there would have been changes had we been able to play the last 10 games, 11 in some cases. That's football. That's nearly a third of the season. And I'd have loved to have been able to have commentated some of those games so, yes, it's an imperfect 
solution, but it, it is a solution. And sadly, I don't think it was possible to do any more than this. Yeah, I mean, Amiens, who finished second bottom, were only four points behind uh, Nîmes. Probably the biggest losers, along with uh, with Lille, who were just one point off, off Champions League qualification. I mean, yeah, it's... Um, it's 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 a tough one, but Paris Saint Germain are officially Ligue 1 champions for the ninth time. Um, they join Marseille, who also have nine league titles. Saint Etienne still the uh, the all time um, leaders in that respect with ten league titles. Saint Etienne, who who lost their legendary coach uh, Robert Herbin, um, who sadly passed away, and we are going to be getting a statue. I'm very pleased about that. Actually, there's going to be a Robert Herbin statue in front of the Stade Geoffroy Guichard because you know I do I do feel quite strongly that that the French need to get more statues. Uh, Raymond Coppers eventually, eventually got one, hasn't he? But um, it's, ta- it's taken time. Let- let's move on to the point of this podcast, which is the awards. It's the end-of-season awards ceremony. And, uh, of course, this is what everybody is waiting for. Le Bourges' um, decisions, who are the best players, the best buys, the best, uh, the best coaches, etc., etc. We're going to start with the best newcomer, um, which Andy Scott asked for a, a clearer definition of this. And w- we've decided that it's, uh, it's somebody who this season appeared in Ligue 1 for the first time. So, Andy, you're, you're throwing your arms up in the air. What have you got for us on, on this one? Just like, I'd just like to gesticulate, um, if only our, our listeners could see that. Um, listen, it, in terms of a top newcomer, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the ball rolling uh, and I'm going to say Victor Ozymen because uh, obviously he, he arrived in, in France last summer to replace, essentially to replace Nicolas Pepe at Lille. Pepe, of course, sold to Arsenal. And uh, Ozymen was was a big money buy for Lille, and and you know I think I'm not the only one uh, here today who maybe didn't know Victor Ozymen uh, at all really prior to this season. And I think he's been a tremendous signing for them. And I mean, you talk about the unfairness of of the season finishing now. Uh, Lille, of course, are one of the clubs who are not happy with the season having finished as it was because they thought they could still get a top three finish in the Champions League place. And Ozymen is uh, more than anybody else really responsible for that for his goals. Uh, tremendously exciting centre forward. And I, I had him as my top newcomer just in front of two Paris Saint-Germain players, Taylor Navas, uh, ostensibly for his performances in the Champions League uh, principally. And I think that with Navas in goal, if PSG do get the chance to finish the Champions League campaign, I think he he is going to have a big part to play. And a third one, uh, second Paris Saint-Germain player for me, Pablo Sarabia, who I think has been a, a bit of an unsung hero for PSG this season. Um, but I would have Victor Ozymen as my number one. I've gone for players from less fancied clubs and I've also cheated. I think that text was sent really late last night, so I'm going to pretend I didn't read it. Um, so my first on the list, Abib Diallo. This is a cheat because he had started seven league and games before, but he only had one goal for this season. And without the 12 goals in 26 games that he scored for Mets, I, I don't think Mets would still be a, a league and club next season so but because I see the rules changed Diallo was my number one pick I'm going to go for Johan Kaur of Brest a debut league and season at the age of 29 and third on the assist chart with seven wicked dead balls three goals as well Brest has stayed up uh, he's out of contract though uh, he's linked to Nantes in the press this week they did do an interview with the keeper over the weekend saying that he would like to stay at Brest and I think Brest need him for next season to keep them abreast. Aha. Uh-huh. I, I I also went with uh, with Victor Ozymen. I think it's hard to to look past him considering the the season he had in his first campaign in Ligue 1. So make it short and sweet and agree with Andy Scott. Can Interesting. I, can I, 
Yeah, go, Andy. Sorry, can I can I just can I just give a couple of honourable mentions very quickly? One would be for uh, Predrag Rajkovic, the uh, Rans goalkeeper. Uh, another one would be for Kevin Denke, who plays for Nîmes, who was just 18, who came on for his league and debut against Monaco in August and scored with his first touch. So I think he deserves a mention. And a third one would be Wesley Moustache, um, who has only played only played one game in league and this season and went off at half time for Nantes. But uh, I think we uh, we would all agree that Wesley Moustache is one of our favourite league and names. Yes, but I think we're going to trim the list a little bit and take Moustache off. So um, thanks a lot for that, Andy. Does Mauro Icardi deserve a mention? I mean, he probably does. Yes, Andy, again, gesticulating, but I think Mauro Icardi deserves a mention. I, I'm, I'm happy to go with Victor Osimhen. I think, I think it's, a, it's a good shout. He's been absolutely tremendous. Reports, um, it was Telefoot saying that there's been an 85 million euro bid for him. I mean, that's hard, hard to believe. Huge money. But, I mean, he is the sort of, you know, prototype of the kind of modern... Uh, centre forward, isn't he? That that a lot of top clubs would be after. It's going to be interesting to follow his progress. The only thing that I'm wary of is that I arguably would have put Victor Ozymen for the first three categories because the next category is going to be. But but we're going to put him as best newcomer. The next category is best buy. Now I'm going to throw. I'm going to change the order a bit just to keep people on their toes. Um, Armel Tangi, best buy this season. Because of what he cost and where he came from, I think I'll go with Predag Rajkovic. Five million euros from the Israeli league from Maccabi Tel Aviv. And the season he had with Rouse in goal, filling in for Edward Mendy, who left for Rennes in the summer, was uh, an exceptional season, saving four penalties. And at that cost, he really is a bargain in modern football. I think you've also got to look at Denny Buanga, who pretty much kept Saint-Étienne in Ligue 1, signed for four and a half million euros from Nîmes in the summer. And another goalkeeper who probably went under the radar, Alfred Gomis, Senegalese number two, filled in for Edward Mendy in the African Cup of Nations, arrived in Dijon for one million, and I thought he was brilliant too. So top one, two, three in that order for me. Yeah, good shouts. All, all good shouts, Armel. Um, David Crossan, what, who's, who's your best buy this season? Yeah, I had Aussie men for this one. He only cost 12 million, and now, as you said, Matt, his valuation's seven times that. And I think... Our loyal listeners, if they listen back to some of our early podcasts from this season, the ones we did in August, you'd have heard me raving about Aussie men because he had an instant impact. And there's something about players with that physicality and pace that it's breathtaking. And honestly, since seeing Mbappe take on league and defences and sprint past them, I haven't felt that same rush, that adrenaline surge from watching a player go at full tilt. And so I love watching Aussie men. But... Yeah, maybe some would say he's Drogba-esque. I think he'd do incredibly well whichever league he goes to if he does leave this summer and Leo will make a more than handsome profit on him. But he's not my pick, actually, for top transfer. My top transfer is Alvaro Gonzalez, a loan deal from Villarreal and so integral to Marseille finishing second and getting back into the Champions League for the first time since 2013. When he wasn't there, you noticed it. When he was there, he made everyone better. And he didn't even lose a league game until a home defeat to Nantes in February. I know that was a stat that Armel Tongi was watching all season. Almost as excited about that as whether Jimmy Brion would get his 100. Very good shout. Very good shout, Alvaro Gonzalez. Um, Andy Scott, who's a keen follower of Spanish football, probably mm. probably knew about him. Not many of us did. Andy, 
what, who who are you going with? Uh, yeah, just just quickly. First of all, an, an honourable mention to Bruno Guimaraes because in the last um, month of football being played this season, he was uh, really exciting at Lyon. But my pick, it was Ozymen. But because we already uh, have talked about him quite a lot, I will mention Wissam Ben Yedder because although Monaco's season has not been what they hoped it would be, I think Wissam Ben Yedder is is a is a brilliant brilliant striker and has uh, has proved worth every penny that they spent on him. Yeah, another an, another good shout. I I was looking at the other Marseille signings, Dario Benedetto and Valentin Rangier. I know Benedetto had quite a long goal drought, but he he did bring a lot to to that team and it's just such a cursed position. It's like such a difficult um shirt to fill the number 9 shirt with Marseille and he's he's done a good job. Valentin Rangier as well. A lot of people were wondering if Rangier would would, you know, be able to to live up to the pressure of playing for Marseille, but he but he absolutely has. But I think for the for the price tag, which was zero because he was only on loan, and the impact he had, I think Alvaro Gonzalez is a is a very good shout. So congratulations to Alvaro Gonzalez. You're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official League Gun podcast. This is our end of season wrap. We will be uh, bringing you podcasts through the summer. We've got a few special editions and uh, some big interviews coming your way. So do. Do keep tuned. If you've got any uh, any questions, league1podcast at gmail.com. You can get us on, on that email address or on Twitter using the hashtag LeBourgeu. Now, we're going to move on. This is often the toughest category in league because there are so many exciting prospects. We're going to go with the best young player. And I'm going to tell you that uh, Kylian Mbappe has been ruled out of this category, having, uh, having uh, celebrated his 21st birthday and having... Well, the fact he's been around for five years, let's just say, um, we're going we're gonna to leave Killian out. Um, Armel Tangi, best young player in league on this season. For being man of the match every time his team played one of the big sides and for helping them qualify for the Champions League and just for buzzing about the internet all season, Eduardo Camavinga. Um, he's so young, so good, so composed. And yeah, for all the reasons I've just given, it's, it was hard for me to look past him. Honourable mentions for... Tongi Kouassi, um, who I thought was brilliant every time he played for Paris Saint-Germain, even scoring goals. He got a number of mentions on the podcast over the course of the season. Equally for Gabriel, the Lille centre-back, and Yassine Adli at Bordeaux, but Eduardo Camavinga for me. Fair enough. Um, uh, who did, sorry, who did you say? The, the Gabriel from Lille? Yeah. How, how old is he? 22. So, yeah, mm. this was before mm. the... Yeah, I'll count. So I, no, I don't. I, I don't think we'll, we'll allow him. But yeah, Camavinga is a good shout. David Crossan. Camavinga as well. Started the season at the age of sixteen. Set up a goal in the win over Paris Saint Germain in August. Uh, scored the winner at Lyon. A really big result that in terms of Ren getting their Champions League position. And well, it's, it's how mature he is, isn't it? We've mentioned this before on the podcast, but during that ten-game winless run in all competitions, Julian Stefan didn't lose his cool. Eduardo Camavinga didn't lose his cool. Fascinating to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Andy, are you going to make it uh, a, a treble for Camavinga? Yeah, completely. I think there's no question it's Eduardo Camavinga. I put him down straight away. And, and as, as, as Dave said, he was, you know, he was 16 at the beginning of the season and uh, he's been linked with a move to Real Madrid now. It really is incredible. I think one thing that's worth pointing out is that I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to see quite a lot of Ren this season. And I think uh, in January, February, there was, a, there was a period where he was beginning to look like he needed a break. And one thing that Ren did that was really uh, important, I think, was that they brought in Stephen Nzonzi 
uh, part of the France uh, squad that won the World Cup in 2018. Brought him in on, on deadline day at the end of January and just put him in alongside Kamavinga. And I think that just helped Kamavinga a little bit, took a little bit of the pressure off him because uh, previously they were they were depending on him really to control games in the first half of the season. But uh, he's he's an incredible player with a huge future. Okay, well that, that was interesting to hear hear your thoughts. The the award for best young player isn't going to Kamavinga because I'm going to give it to Bubaka Kamara, um, who who's been brilliant for Marseille. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm obviously not going to overrule all three of you, you league and experts. But I did want to give Bubaka Kamara a, a bit of a mention because it was a big season for him and not necessarily as people would have expected because he started as centre back, but it was when he moved into the central midfield, the holding midfield role, that he had a real sort of positive and uh, big impact for Marseille. So another good player. But yeah, Eduardo Camavinga, absolutely sensational. And uh, hopefully we will see more of him next season. Now, um, best coach. This is another keenly, keenly contested one. Um, David Crossan, who has been telling us all year that Monaco are going to finish in the in the top 10. They've had how many coaches have... have I said they, they had finished Davis? top three, Matt. They have finished in the top 10. Sorry, top three. Top, top three. Sorry, my brain is uh, is still waking up. Um, let's just let's just ask Dave, who's the coach of the year for you? Andre Villas-Boas. Because Marseille, as I said, hadn't been in the Champions League since 2013. He inherited a thin squad and got the best out of it. And to achieve all of this without the injured Florian Tovan, who had scored 50-plus goals in the three previous seasons, I think is remarkable. And so we've mentioned that the signings were good this year, which made a big difference from previous seasons. Alvaro Gonzalez, Dario Benedetto, Valentin Rongier all played their part. I think the biggest factor, along with his personality, the way everyone wanted to play for him, the way the velodrome warmed to him, was the way he got the best out of the old guard that gave the captain's armband back to Mondonda, who looked fitter than he had for or five, six years, got his France place back because Loris was injured, made a number of really important saves, and Payet as well. I mean, Payet had his disciplinary problems. He was very stupid against Montpellier earlier in the season. Interesting that Dave should use the term uh, AVB inherited a thin squad because I know a lot of supporters <laughs> wouldn't say that about Payet and Mondonda at the start of the season. Mondonda lost good. weight, to be fair. At once AVB arrived, which only backs up David Crossan's point further. So yeah, I think he was talking about the yeah the amount of quality yeah. players in, in in the squad. Um, I'm I'm almost you know wanting to to zap Armel and go straight to Andy, um, because of that that rather unnecessary comment. Andy, coach of the year. Oh yeah, I mean Andre Villas Boas without without a doubt because with everything he did at Marseille, and I think it is it's worth remembering too that this is a guy who I think had gone off the radar of a lot of us in the last couple of years and although he's still very young obviously he emerged when he was incredibly young uh, we kind of thought this this guy you know is, is he really going to come back and manage in one of the, the big European leagues again having gone to China having raced in the Dakar and stuff like that and he's, he's come back and, and done a fabulous job at Marseille and I just hope that he gets the chance to lead them into the Champions League with a decent team next season or whenever that might be but I, I would just give a quick mention to Julian Stefan because uh, obviously he came in at Rennes this is his actually He's still not had a full season in charge, has he? Um, but, you know, he won the cup last season and he's taking him into the Champions League now. So that's that's an incredible uh, track record. And uh, a couple of other ones. Christophe Galtier continues to do really well. Stéphane Moulin continues to do really well at Angers. And Thierry Loret is always good fun at Strasbourg, isn't he? But none of them can top André Villas-Bosch. Well, plenty of interesting suggestions, Andy. Armel, I will let you have a, a, a very quick say on, on this. Best coach? 
Uh, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, difficult to to look past David Guillon for me because Rouse in their second season back in the top flight could have had the famous second season syndrome, but they didn't. They performed to the exact same level they did last season, staying up in the top half of the table, if not improving from last season's performance because they beat some some big sides on the way. They beat Marseille in Marseille. They beat PSG in Paris. They beat Lille. Um, they had a brilliant season and their defensive record can't be argued with as we will here throughout the rest of this pod and we've already heard with Rykovic's mentions so David Guillon for me coach of the season yeah good shout we might we might be seeing one or two Rouse players in the back four of our of our best 11 as well David Guillon fantastic uh, achievement um, he's come up through the ranks if you like he was coaching the um, the Rouse youth team um, he's doing a fantastic job they finished in sixth position they could well be in Europe next season but but Armel I'm going to overrule you on this one. I'm I'm going with AVB as well. I have to admit, I I was pretty um, disappointed for Marseille when they signed AVB. I, I was looking at, you know, what Andy said, the fact that he'd been out of football for a while, he'd been in China and Russia. But I mean, what you know, I've been so pleasantly surprised by the person he is and by the quality, um, the quality that he's shown as a manager. So AVB is our manager of the year now. We're going to have uh, a little uh, little bit of respite from the awards. We're going to bring you our Deja Who. First of all, the answer from, uh, from last week. I come from the Paris region, but uh, finished my career down under. My first club was in Normandy. I then swapped the English Channel for the Mediterranean coast. I featured for three English Premier League clubs, and I played in a World Cup final. Your challenge, dear listener, is to try to guess the correct answer. Um, we've had several correct responses this week. JC Griggs, who also thanked us for keeping uh, him entertained. Patrick in Cork, who is a big RML fan. He also uh, he also got the right answer, as did Habib Bar and um, the always brilliant Adam Cyrilnik. Congratulations, William Gallas. William Gallas, the answer, the former Marseille man who did end his career in Perth in Australia. Now, this week's Le Bourgeois, just to remind you of the rules, you have to guess the answer and you have to communicate that answer to us either via our email, league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag uh, DejaHool1 on Twitter. So here we go. I played for five European teams, finishing my career at Paris Saint-Germain. When I retired, I had the most silverware of any footballer ever. I'm one of the few defenders not scared of Zlatan. Send answers by email to league1podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter uh, using the hashtag DejaHool1. So, fellas, I'm assuming you all know that one. Bayal Sal. Bayal Sal is not scared of Zlatan, that's true. But did he finish his career at Paris Saint-Germain? It's an interesting guess. The next category of Le Bourgeois 2019-2020 awards is the surprise of the year. I was going to go for Andre Villas-Boas because, like I just said, he did surprise me. But Andre Villas-Boas is, is now out of the running. David Crossan, who surprised you this year the most? No, I'm, I'm going to amalgamate this with producer Ian's notes for later in the show because he's written Team of the Year briefly. So my Team of the Year briefly, Olympique Lyonnais. 
nine goals in their first two games. Everyone's saying Silvino was the best thing ever and that they were definitely going to be the closest challengers to Paris Saint-Germain. Listen back to the first podcast of last season. You'll probably hear a lot of us saying that. I didn't say it, nor did Armel. Um, but yeah, no, Leon, the biggest disappointment this season. Uh, with that squad, they should have been in the top three guaranteed, probably second. And they just didn't have the consistency. Appointing Silvino was an aberration. They have improved under Rudy Garcia. And I was sitting very close to Andy Scott when they beat Juventus. They've got the talent, but so frustrating this year. Even more frustrating than Monaco, and that's going some. So, yeah, so for you, that's the biggest negative surprise. The surprise can be positive, can be negative. Um, Andy Scott, what's your, what's your um, offering? Uh, well, what I was going to say was that the, the main reason that Dave wasn't picking up Leon's chances of winning the title at the beginning of the season is because he was too busy talking about how Monaco were going to finish in the top three. Um, listen, listen. I think I would tend to agree with uh, with Dave that Leon were the were the big surprise of the season in the sense that they were uh, very disappointing. And uh, I, I took producer Ian's uh, notes on this uh, about it being positive or negative, and, and noted down all the surprises, and really all of them turned out to be negative ones. Um, so Saint Etienne were disappointing, and maybe we might have expected better. But then again, when they replaced uh, Jean Louis Gasset when he left last summer. And they replaced him with uh, Gislain Pranto. I think we perhaps could have seen how that one was going to turn out. And they'd been very poor, even after Claude Puel came in. And uh, another couple of uh, people who've disappointed me this season, uh, players, Edinson Cavani. I think we probably expected that he might have a slightly better season than he had. And Cesc Fabregas as well at Monaco, because for Monaco for a, a poor season on, in many respects, Fabregas, I think, has just never got going in the Principality since he arrived midway through last season. And uh, I think in many respects, he looks past it, which is sad to say. I'm going to a more positive person to try to, to lift the, uh, the atmosphere a bit. Armel Tangier, glass half full man. I'll do my best. And I, th- I think most people will agree with me on this, is that um, it was a positive surprise to see that Renato Sanchez is still a very good player, despite having seen him flop at Swansea in recent years after being named the the golden boy when Portugal won Euro 2016. He arrived in Lille uh, in this summer transfer window and he was in L'Equipe's team of the season every time he played. He, he wasn't in the team early on, but then Christophe Gautier broke him in slowly. He gained in confidence and he looked like the player that he once promised to be. So that was a pleasant surprise. Thank you, Armel. Thank you. You're, I'm, I'm feeling so much better and more positive about life. And you know what? I'm going to give it to you. I, I think Dave's shout about Leon is is valid, but they are still in a cup final. Still, well, they were, but you know, they are still in a cup final and they are still in the Champions League. So this could turn turn out to be a great season for <laughs> Leon. Although, yeah, somehow I doubt it. But um, there you go, Renato Sanchez. He's been absolutely brilliant. I would agree um, for Leon this season. Now, very briefly, because I want to spend a bit of time on the big categories. We've got two big categories at the end. So very briefly, I want to go with the best goal, which is not that good to do on a, on a podcast because our listeners can't actually see them um, but they can go and look them up on the uh, the LFP's YouTube page afterwards. Um Andy Scott favorite goal for you? Uh, don't okay, don't, don't tell me don't tell me it's an own goal or something. Well, I, I funny you should say that Matt because actually I think the best goal that anyone saw this season certainly that I saw live was Fernando Marcel's own goal um <laughs> for Leon against Paris Saint-Germain in February but in terms of a couple of categories. The best team move, Kylian Mbappe's goal to make it 4-0 for PSG against Marseille in October. Ridiculous team move from Navas, Di Maria 
Mbappe with the early shot. Stunning strike would go to Gael Kakuta for Amiens against Paris Saint-Germain in the 4-4 draw in February. Look that one up. Incredible shot from one side of the penalty box into the opposite top corner. And a random one for you would be Hanga Mbok for Brest against Toulouse in January. Check that one out as well. A ridiculous shot from about 35 yards in off the underside of the bar. And another one in terms of a wow moment. September, Paris Saint-Germain against Strasbourg. 92nd minute, it's 0-0. Cross comes in from the left from Abdou Diallo and Neymar in his first game back after all those, uh, all that talking last summer about whether he would leave the club or not. Neymar scores a brilliant overhead kick to win the game for PSG at the death. Yeah, those yeah, would be my I'm, four. Fair enough. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of that of that Neymar goal in the last minute. I think the Mbappe break against Marseille is incredible, but the fact the keeper just gets a touch to his shot takes the gloss off for me. Um, Dave, David Crossan. Yeah, the Neymar goal is the most symbolic goal of the season for me. I'm I basically I'm going to spend most of this podcast trying to defend things I said earlier in the season faced by an onslaught. So I remember Armel Tongi saying to me early in the season that Neymar would never win over the Paris Saint-Germain fans again. And I said, all he's got to do is turn up and score some brilliant goals and the fans will love him again. Okay, he got a, let's say an ambivalent reception uh, even after scoring that stunning overhead kick against Strasbourg. But the fact that he scored three winners in four games, in games that Paris Saint-Germain won 1-0, started to win the supporters around. It all began there with Strasbourg. But that's not my goal of the year. My goal of the year is Di Maria's flick over the keeper against Nice. I think technically that was the outstanding moment of the season. Mm, that was a wonderful goal, that Di Maria strike. Um, Armel Tangi, you could have the deciding vote here. Uh, I'm going to go with one that uh, Andy mentioned because I, I had to changed my underwear after I commentated it. It was Gael, Gael Kakuta against Paris Saint-Germain. For what that game was, a team that's now been relegated from Ligue 1 against the champions and, you know, it finished 4 all. It was a mad game and that, that goal summed it up. Absolutely crazy. It wasn't much danger. Bang, top corner. Brilliant. I'll come back to Dave's point on Neymar later on in the podcast, actually. But yeah, Gael Kakuta against PSG in terms of goal of the season for me. I'm struggling. I'm struggling to, to, to know who to go for here. Um, I, I love Di Maria's goal, but I don't think it should be a goal of the season. Um, Kakuta, no. It's just a sort of blast. It is an amazing goal. I can help you, Matt. One that wasn't mentioned, perhaps uh, Mbappe's heel flick against Nantes. Brilliant counter-attacking move. Crossed in outside of the boot from Di Maria. And a little flick. Behind I'm going to go legs. for um, no thanks, but I'm going to go for Neymar. I, I I love the Neymar overhead kick, um, left foot last minute winner, and just oh, yeah the, the the circumstances. And you say the PSG fans were ambivalent. I mean there were there were banners telling him to get out of the football club. There were you know oh, okay, admittedly only a few hundred or a few thousand boos, but I mean it was it was pretty nasty. I thought so. So there we go. I will let let's go for Neymar now. This is um a category that producer Ian has been keen to insert into the podcast. So top kit, the best kit in Ligue 1 this season. Andy Scott is purposely looking away from the camera. So I'm going to go to Armel, Armel Tangi. I'll throw some things out there and then I think we can debate with Dave. I think there's one that we have to talk about. PSG's third kit, which was beautiful, no doubt about that, but loses points for being inserted late into the season purely for marketing value and they had to wear last season's white shirt. So we're going to count that one out. I think Rouse's away kit, the blue effort with the yellow stars going up the middle, was amazing. Very, very nice kit. Nice's blue Sampdoria style kit, also very good. Um, 
and Neem, who went out there with reptile scales on their kit, was uh, quite pushing the boundaries of what's acceptable in a football shirt. But I thought the third kit, which was black with red in the middle, was very nice. Very good, very good. Um, okay, no, you've got you've you've put some good suggestions out there, Dave. Anything to to add or yeah. embellish? Well, I don't think we had anything this year to match that Bastia camouflage kit of a few seasons ago, <laughs> and they certainly went into hiding whenever they came up against Latan Ibrahimovic. I remember, uh, but no, there's only one winner in this category. It's really easy. We saw some great anniversary kits this season, and I love a classic kit. And I, I do wish that our listeners could join us in this video thing to see the retro stylings going on during lockdown. But I think I was ahead of the game with that. I've always liked a retro look, a retro shirt. And the 75th anniversary Lille kit was the most beautiful shirt seen in Ligue 1 this season. White with a big red V across the chest. They wore it against Dijon. It was an awful game. Victor Ozymen scored the winner. All I remember from that game, the shirt. Dave, I can almost see a tear in your eye there. Um, Andy, Andy Scott, anything to add? Uh, just... I mean, not especially, but I would just say that there are so many iconic kits in Ligue 1 anyway. I mean, you know, the, the green of Saint-Étienne, the yellow of Nantes, the, the red and white of Monaco, some fabulous kits. And one that we're going to see back in Ligue 1 next season, Racing Club de Lens, of course, the uh, the blood and gold. Fabulous to see them back in the top division. The blood and gold of Lens. Now, these two categories for me are the, are the most important. We're going with, uh, with team of the year. So we're going to very... Uh, very efficiently go through our best 11. It's going to be coached by Andre Villas-Boas. Um, we're, we're looking for sort of one-word answers. You could have, you know, one or two very brief arguments if you want. But for the for, for the goalkeeper, I'm going to put forward a couple um, and then I'm going to go to Dave to either confirm or add another. Predrag, Rajkovic of Reims, Steve Mondonda of Marseille. David Crossan? Rajkovic. Armel? Rajkovic. Andy? Uh, yeah, Rajkovic just ahead of, of the other contenders for me. Is that because he looks like sick boy in train spotting or is that because he's he's kept 12 clean sheets and saved four penalties? A combination of the two. <laughs> All right, the, the, the right back. Now, L'Equipe in their, <clears throat> excuse me, in their best 11 have gone for Leo Dubois of Lyon. That's going on their marks out of, out of 10. Um, France Football Magazine have gone for Hamari Traore. David Crossan, who would you go for? I've gone for Traore. Yeah, lots of energy. Uh, really good. Did a lot down the right-hand side for them. He's a funny player, isn't he? Hamri Traore of, uh, of Rennes. He's just kind of not, not machine-like, but it, uh, nothing spectacular, but he just gets up and down that, that, that right wing. Very solid. Um, Armel? I'm a big fan of Leo Dubois. I think maybe Traore edged it this season, but uh, I went with Dubois. Just, I love the composure. He plays with a right back and one of the standout players in the poor Lyon team. Andy? Uh, one thing I would say about Leo Dubois is that uh, as much as I think he's a very good player, he, he was out injured from December to February, wasn't he? And then, of course, the season never really got going again. I mean, for me, it's Amari Traore without question. I think he's been fabulous. Amari Traore gets the nod, the Ren right back. Now, we've got um, various contenders for the centre-back position. So, L'Equipe have gone for Gabriel of Lille and Yunis Abdelhamid of Reims. Um, France football have gone for Thiago Silva and Yunus Abdelhamid of Reims. So, are we confirming Abdelhamid, Dave? I'm confirming Abdelhamid. He didn't miss a minute this season, didn't miss a minute last season. And managing to hit that level of performance, having lost Engels to Aston Villa, terrific. Terrific Abdelhamid. But my tip for partner to him has not been mentioned. I've mentioned him earlier in this show. I'm having Alvaro Gonzalez in there. 
I, I don't care about the others who have been mentioned. I'm going Gonzalez. Yeah, fair, fair enough. And I know Marseille fans are not best pleased with the fact there are no Marseille players in the Le Keep or France football team of the year. Um, Armel, what do you think, centre-backs? I'm, I'm, I'm with Dave every step of the way. Abdel Hamid and Alvaro Gonzalez, I think they were the best two centre-backs this season. Andy? Uh, I've gone for Gabriel and Marquinhos and on the bench I've put Yuniz Abdelhamid he can do a bit of his he's, he's a qualified accountant isn't he so he could do a little bit of that while he's sitting on the bench and Alvaro Gonzalez on the bench as well Well Robbie Thompson who is uh, who is absent but with us very much in, in spirits has just joined the chat to say um, that Rouse deserve credit for doing a fantastic extension contract extension video for Abdelhamid Um I'm not sure what that video is, but but they are very creative in their uh, uh, communications department. It was it was to do with a card game, Matt, yeah. the card game Uno, which I've never played. But uh, the, he was playing look very seriously with the president, and the president turned over a card saying plus two. Oh yes, I play Uno. So if but if Abdel Hamid also had a plus two card, he could have put that down, and it becomes plus four. So he could have actually got himself a really long term deal there. He's thirty two, so that's probably a bit too much. Let's go. Let's go for Abdelhamid. Don't want him to go all Fabregas on rounds, do you? I'm hesitating between Gabriel and Alvaro Gonzalez. I'm going to go for Alvaro Gonzalez. I think Marseille deserve a bit of presence. Uh, Yunus Abdelhamid as well. Now, the left back, um, we've got Feitu Mawasa. That was France Football Magazine's vote. Hassan, sorry, Hassan Kamara of Rance is the L'Equipe vote. Um, Dave, who are you going with? I found left back a very tricky one, actually. Um, I, I want to mention Anmarvi, who I don't think deserves to be in this team, but fair play to him for re-establishing his reputation at Marseille. Villas-Boas has done wonders for his career. I only go for Mawasa. A, a few years ago, we were talking about him as a, a future great. And let's say it's taken a while for him to develop. And uh, yes. I, I've enjoyed watching him this season. And I know you're hoping that Mawasa rocks up at St. James's Park next season, along with Victor Osimhen. But uh, we won't go into that. Um, Armel Tangi, left back. I went with uh, the other choice, Hassan Kamara. Every time I commented Ras, I was baffled by how well their left side worked. And that was 95% due to Hassan Kamara's hard work and technique. So hugely impressed with him. He's, he's a funny one, isn't it? I was looking at his career path. He's also had a sort of, he's been a bit of a journeyman. I think he's 26 now and uh, hasn't played much in, in League 1, but a terrific season. Andy Scott, you could have the deciding vote. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I, I've I kind of tried to make my team. Uh, I, I I didn't want to use too many Paris Saint Germain players. Obviously, PSG are the best team in league, and there's no question of that. But for me, the best left back in France is Juan Bernat. So I went for Juan Bernat at left back. Yeah, that's just your Spanish connection, though, isn't it? Let's go. Um, I'm 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 not that convinced about Mawasa. I mean, I I I do like him, but I'm going to go for Hassan Kamara because. Uh, because uh, I am, because I've been very impressed with him at Rance, and Rance have a, have a wonderful record. So we've got two Rance defenders in the back four, Abdelhamid and Kamara, um, Alvaro Gonzalez and Hamari Traore. Central midfield. Now, this is interesting. L'Equipe and France football have both gone with Marco Verratti. Um, L'Equipe have gone with Renato Sanchez of Lille alongside him. France football have gone with Camavinga of, uh, of Rennes. Um, Andy Scott, Let's quickly mm. go, go, go to you. Well, the first thing I'd like to say here is that I, I missed out, sadly, on the, um, on the team of the decade stuff uh, a, a few months ago, and I was absolutely appalled to see Thiago Mota left out. So if there was a way of resurrecting Thiago Mota and putting him in 
this team than I would, but that's stretching things a bit. So I've gone for Eduardo Camavinga and Marco Verratti in central midfield. Okay, yeah, there's no way of getting Motta in, I'm afraid. Um, Armel? I am hoping to play in a 4-3-3, so only one real central midfielder. No, we're playing 4-4-2, no, no choice there, so you've got to go. Okay, in which... In which case, I'll go with uh, Camavinga and Marco Verratti. It's interesting because I was a little bit surprised that, that Verratti, Verratti's up there. But, I mean, you know, he's a wonderful player. You just look at his progression and I don't know. We're but... spoiled. We're used to it. We're a player yeah. of that quality every season in, in, in Ligue 1 that doesn't get shanked out of our out of our grasp for 80 million euros we forget how good he is that's that's the thing that's important and we hear an awful lot of talk at the moment about flattening the curve don't we about in relation to, to other things but and and you're right about Marco Verratti that his his upward trajectory was astonishing the first few years he was in France and you get the impression that he's never quite gone on to the the next level if that's possible but he does remain an, an incredible player even if things have slightly flattened out for him okay oh fair enough Dave Dave Cross and Verratti or not Verratti not Verratti. Ooh, I've gone for Camavinga and Marquinhos. Marquinhos played more in midfield than he did at centre-back, Andy. So I'm going to have Marquinhos in midfield. And he allowed Thomas Tuchel the tactical flexibility to play the way he wanted this season, whether he was operating in midfield, centre-back, or as that hybrid role that he was playing. I also had Camera on my list. Um, yeah, so no, you're right. I am just used to Verratti's consistent excellence and slightly frustrated that he hasn't become even better. So he doesn't get in my team, I'm afraid. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm not yet convinced that Marquinhos is a world-class or top-level uh, central midfielder for, for Paris Saint-Germain. And part of me was hoping you'd go for Renato Sanchez with Camavinga, and then I might have hesitated and gone for those two. But instead, I'm going to keep Marco Verratti in the team and play him alongside Eduardo Camavinga. Um, front four, guys, uh, we're going to go fairly quickly. I was asking for one or two word answers. Um... Are we going with PSG's Cat Fantastique? Are we going to make one or two changes? Just to let listeners who don't know um, know, Angel Di Maria and Neymar on the flanks, Mbappe and Icardi up top. They are the Cat Fantastique that did so well. Dave Crossan, um, any changes to that? Yeah, um, Di Maria, yes. Neymar, grudgingly, because he only played 15 games. But this season... He was probably fitter than he was in the two previous seasons, but because of that aborted return to Barcelona, didn't start the season, then did have an injury or two. Uh, brilliant when he played. I quite fancy getting Payet into that team. And then up front, Mbappe and Ben Yedda for me. So Mbappe, Ben Yedda, Di Maria, and then Neymar or Payet. Yeah. Um, Armel, agree, agree with that? Any changes? Um, not Payet. So for me, Di Maria, Neymar, Mbappe, Ben Yedda. No question about it. You were so desperate to get Payet into the team of the decade, and now you're you're, you're leaving him out at the moment. Fair enough. Okay, I, I'm, I I go with logic rather than rather than heart. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. You're you're cold blooded man, Andy Scott. Yeah, Di, Di Maria, Neymar, Mbappe, and Ben Yedder with Ozim uh, Hen and Payet on the bench for me. Pretty good team. Okay. That. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how good Payet is coming off the bench. Ozim Hen might might be good. Okay, that's good for me. That's good. That is so the official uh, Le Bourgeois. Team of the season for 2019-20. Pedrag Rajkovic, the Rans goalkeeper, is our number one. We have Hamari Traore at right back. Hassan Kamara, another Rans player at left back. Alvaro Gonzalez of Marseille partners. Yunus Abdelhamid of Rans at centre-back. So we have three Rans players in our back five. Central midfield, Marco Verratti, Eduardo Camavinga. That's a fantastic duo. 
And then the front four, Neymar on the left, Di Maria on the right, Kylian Mbappe and Wissam Ben Yedda, who are both joint top scorers um, in Ligue 1 with 18 goals. They will lead our attack. Thank you very much, uh, guys. It just remains to decide the big one, the player of the season in France. Um, well, where do we start with this one? I'll, I'll let you name a maximum of three and give me and give me your your number one choice and try to do it in a fairly prompt, concise and interesting and just sort of an engaging way. Do you think you can do that, David Crossan? No, but I'm only going to name one just to try and save some time. Angel Di Maria, player of the calendar year 2019 for Paris Saint-Germain. I don't think it was quite scaling the same heights in 2020. Maybe that's just my perception or maybe that's just the standards that he set himself. But I talked about that artful goal against Nice. That was one of many. Eight league goals this season. 14 assists. You couldn't leave him out of the team. There were Again, every year there's talk. Will Di Maria play? He does. He stars. 14 assists. He was well on course to beat his 18 from 2016. And six more assists than Islam Slimani, who was second on the list. Di Maria, the main man for me. Uh, Mbappe and Neymar, fantastic. But you expect it from them. I don't know. For me, it wasn't a vintage Kylian Mbappe year. Neymar, wonderful when he played, but he only played 15 games. 15 games. It's just not enough to be player of the year. Yeah, Mbappe, 18 goals in 20. It's not bad for a not vintage year, but fair enough. Uh, Armel Tangi. Okay, this is where I come back to the point that Dave made about me saying Neymar at the start of the season because I hated him and he doesn't make it easy, but he's almost changed my mind this season. He was absolute box office. I know he only played 15 games. But he scored 13 times, got six assists. And as you mentioned, Matt, so many of those goals got the team points to, to win the fans over that overhead kick on his on his first game back. Absolute box office. I know he probably doesn't deserve this, but just because I don't hate him anymore, he's my player of the season. I thought he didn't go with your heart, but yeah, it sounds like your heart is talking there. And Andy Scott. Mm, yeah, I mean, for me, it was Angel Di Maria as well. And I think for everything that Dave said, and I just, I, I, I mentioned earlier on, the best team goal for me this season was Kylian Mbappe's goal against Marseille. And you said, oh, but the keeper came, he came out and, and made it a bit too easy for Mbappe. But watch that move again, watch the build up to it and watch Di Maria's pass with the outside of his boot to, to, to play in Mbappe in the first place. Di Maria has been on another level this season and is consistent. He's always there. He never gets a rest, unlike, uh, unlike Neymar. And even uh, Mbappe, as, as Dave said, didn't quite hit the heights. But yeah, an honourable mentions too for Wissam Ben Yedder, for Victor Ozimhen and for all the other ones we've talked about. But Di Maria is, is just world class. Well, very many congratulations to Ankel Di Maria, who gets the nod from me as well. He's just been an absolute joy to watch this season. And uh, yeah, sadly, the season was only 28 rounds, but uh, there was plenty to, to enjoy during that time. and. Um, yeah, Ankel Di Maria was was behind a lot of PSG's best moments. So so fair enough. Um, we will have a whip round and see what sort of award we can we can get for Ankel Di Maria. We'll, we'll announce that when Le Bourgeois returns. French lessons. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. I know Dave is. That, by the way, anybody out there, Dave is offering his services um, um, to do virtual lessons. You know, on on Skype or or whatever. Yeah, Ankel knows where to find me. I think so. You could probably charge. I waited for his call. Charge a decent rate. Trouble is, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> That's good, though. That's good. David Crossan, it's been a joy to, to, to have you as well. You are the Ankel Di Maria of Le Bourgeois. Um, Armel Tangi, you're almost like the um, sort of the, the Andy Delore. You know, you're just a bit of a feisty character, and then you produce moments of brilliance when we're least expecting it. And um, Andy Scott, 
Less said the better. Less said the better. We are going to be bringing you regular pods, um, not on a weekly basis. We're coming back in, in two weeks with the next edition of, of Le Bourgeois, but we've got some excellent interviews, so do keep posted. Do um, keep an eye on, on the podcast platforms. We're available on Google, Deezer, um, Apple, and, and everything else. Andy, did you, did you want to make a last comment there? I, I, w- I was going to say something actually quite uh, quickly, which just occurred to me. Do you remember when Jelson Martins was banned for six months in uh, in February for pushing a referee? A terrible incident. We discussed it in depth at the time on Le Bourgeois. I was wondering that six month ban. If anybody is happy about the season ending now, presumably it's Jelson Martins. Yes, it's all worked out well for Jelson Martins. Um, we'll be back very soon, though. Before Andy thinks of something else to say, I'm going to wish everybody a great week um, from David Cross and Armel Tangi, Andy Scott. And me, Matt Spiro, it's time to say au revoir et à bientôt. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.